Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How is everyone doing today? I know that everyone is tired and weary from this election, right? I mean, think about it. Now, how many of you actually voted on election day? And doesn't it seem like election day was so far away with as, as long as it's taking to get an answer, right? Or how long it has taken to get an answer. It's like... I mean, who would have thought that this would have turned out this way? But this is one time that I would have loved to have been in the studio to take your phone calls because I know the phone would have been ringing off the hook with people wanting to express their opinions about this whole process. But with all of the counting and probably recounting, This is the democratic process at its best. I mean, this is what voting in a free nation is all about, right? Think about it. Everyone gets to vote. Everyone gets to voice their opinion by casting their votes for the candidate of their choice. And regardless of who 
the winner turns out to be, each side should accept their position and move on gracefully. This has been the first time that I can recall that I can recall any election in my lifetime that I've been a part of or even remember learning about it in school where a sitting president accused the process of being fraudulent. Like when in history has this country ever had a sitting president challenge the process that was set forth by the founding fathers from the beginning? I mean, yeah, you challenge counts. You challenge whether you think, um, you know, ballots might have been cast incorrectly or, you know, but you don't from the onset before the election even starts accuse states of deliberately setting out to do something fraudulent and that if it's not done the way you want it to be done, that it's not a democratic, you know, it's like a, a blemish on the American, you know, government. Him talking that way is a blemish on the American government. But I like it because it means that the race was close and it actually was painting a picture of where the American people are in the country, right? I mean, this is where America is. We are just that divided by just that small sliver of people so it's like it's like it's not really surprising it's actually this is the first time actually I would say that America is actually voting with their feelings and voting what they believe because you can the country has been divided forever but nobody ever really showed the true colors of it being divided but now they are so why would you want to question the validity of a process that's been going on since we first elected the president and to me this is what happens when people don't understand what it means to be here in america right because if you understood then you'd know this is the things that happen we have things that are contentious and we have to decide which way it's going to go but before I proceed with our program, let me get my housekeeping and announcements out of the way. Now, you guys haven't heard me say that in a long time, right? But we have a new on-air read. And it's probably going to be exciting for some of you who like to exercise. Because if you live in New York City and you run for fun or for exercise, we have a way now that you can do it and learn something about the city while you're getting your workout. City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours, running tours designed with the locals in mind. New York City takes pride in the diversity and character of its neighborhoods, and these unique running tours offer an opportunity to learn the history of a neighborhood and get personal recommendations from your guide. You can choose tours from over 23 neighborhoods, including Bushwick, Long Island City, and Roosevelt Island. For more information about the running tours and to see the list of neighborhoods and full tour schedule, 
check out their website at www.cityrunningtours.com slash New York City. That's cool. So if you're going to run and you want to know something about the area you're running through, you might as well run with one of these tours and then you could get two for one history and and a workout. Way to go. Now, because of all the misunderstandings, misspoken words, and general lack of knowledge when it comes to civil activities, I think today is the perfect time to begin the process of teaching what it means to live in America, the republic and the civics behind it all. So let's begin with the process of understanding what it really, what really happens or what is really happening now in our country. Let's start with the definition of civics. Civics is the study of the rights and duties of citizenship or or we can think of it as of or relating to a citizen, a city, citizenship, or community affairs. Civics are the things people do affecting fellow citizens, especially when that relates to the maintenance of urban development. Civic education is the study of the theoretical, political, and practical aspects of citizenship, as well as its rights and duties. It includes the study of civil law and civil code. If you can recall as students, we learned civic duties in high school and in college, right? But with everything else, we need to be reminded of what our responsibilities are as U.S. citizens. Some of these duties include registering to vote, learning about the candidates, voting, responding to a court summons, and paying taxes on time. Those are part of your civic duties. Did you guys know that? Now, let us look at the process of the elections. That's what I want to focus on. Because that's like the biggest elephant in the room right now, right? We've got a whole herd of elephants when it comes to this. The process used in America to elect a president is called the Electoral College. The idea behind it was that the president would be decided by both the popular vote and a vote in Congress. Everyone qualified to vote can do so but ultimately, it's the overall state vote that matters. So now, if we look back at, 2016, at the 2016 election, or better yet, let's use the 2000 election as a better reference point, right, for us to look back at. These two elections, mainly the 2001, Al Gore versus George Bush, and the 2016 Trump versus Clinton, in both of the races, we had one party winning the popular vote and the other party winning the electoral votes. But this time around, unlike 2000, it, um, 2000, we had to do a recount. 
but the difference was like 327 votes out of out out of about 6 million votes that was cast for both Bush and Gore in Florida. So now 327 votes. That's not a big margin. So you can see someone saying, you know what, I want to recount because that's just too close. That's like, but I've always said it only takes one point to win a game. It only would take one vote to win an election. Right. But anyway, in this election, it was only 327 votes that separated the winner and the loser. Right. And now to truly understand what is going on today, we have to go back to the beginning because you figure if it was if they they did a recount on 327 votes anything that's close they're going to do a recount on because they're going to make they want to make sure that everything was tallied up correctly but now to understand where all this comes from we need to go all the way back to the beginning and this is taking us all the way back to 1787 and now it was back in 1787 at the Constitutional Convention, which was actually a group of delegates that met to discuss the flaws of the central government, they got together to think about several methods of choosing the next president. So they wavered between should the Congress select the next president? Should the state governor select the next president? Should it be by the popular, direct popular election? All of these options were considered, but with careful thought, they decided to let the matter be handled by a method called the Electoral College, which when you think about it, in reality, it's not a college at all. It's a society or a group of colleagues which form an advisory board or committee whose members share power. Now, there are a total of 538 electors. In each state, there are a set number of electors, which equals the number of representatives plus two electors for the senators from each state. Now, a candidate obtains all the electoral votes when they win in the state, and it was widely approved by the delegates and the political leaders that they thought, oh yeah, this was a good idea. This is the way we're going to do it. Therefore, they added it to the they added it to the Constitution that each state was given a number of electors due to the combined membership of the Senate. And to make it plain, all that that I just said, that whole mouthful, the people vote indirectly for the president and the vice president through their state's electors. So you can live in a state that if the predominant um, if the predominant party votes that way for the state, then that party will win that state's electoral votes. New York is a Democratic state. So even if you're a Republican and you vote Republican, the predominant party in New York is Democrat. So this state is going to swing Democrat because that's the majority of the people that live here. That's the majority of the voters that vote here. Not saying that you could be a democratic state as we've seen and you can flip. It just depends on who they like, you know, who they, they want to vote for. But for the most part, 
people will vote with party down party lines and that's another conversation we're going to have also too right so when you think of democracy you probably think of the people electing parties and presidents based on what the majority want but here's the thing that we must remember we misinterpret the country to be a democracy america is not a democracy I'm going to say that again, because you heard me correctly. America is not a democracy. Now, I know right now you're probably scratching your head saying, what is she talking about? America is not a democracy. America is a republic. Now, we all, including our news outlets, refer to America as a democracy. But the actual governmental classification of America is that it's a it's a republic and where did i get that from you ask our pledge of allegiance when we are reciting it we say i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands we don't say and to the democracy for which it stands but that's a topic for another show, and we're going to explore the difference between democracy and republic next week. But for right now, let's continue on the path that we started so that we could understand the Electoral College and the part that it plays in our elections. Now, originally, it was the states that chose electors equal in number to their representatives and their senators. The electors voted for two candidates and the person with the majority of the votes became president and the runner-up became vice president so when you think about it there was really no clear presidential or vice presidential candidate it was two people running and whoever got the most the first one became the president the second one became the vice president but today in order to become president the ten the candidate has to win an absolute majority of 270 electoral votes. If neither candidate receives enough delegates, it is up to the House of Representatives to decide the winner from the top candidates with the most electoral votes. Presently, the number of electors per state ranges from three to 54, giving a, giving a total of 538. And the largest states have the most say because they have the most electoral votes. Now, if we merely choose a president because of the popular vote, we would be swamped with candidates. I mean, just think about it. If somebody thought we would be, okay, some mega star could run for president and they would win because they would get the popular vote, right? So the electoral college encourages a system of two parties making it a simple choice and a choice that is always due to a large amount of people, whether they are the majority or not, right? Because if a large group of people vote one way and that state gives up that, their number of electoral votes, then that's what goes to the person that's running. And if they get the 270, they win. So now for those who are upset with the outcomes of the recent presidential elections, you have to understand that 
it would be chaos if it came down to that we had to get rid of the electoral college in order for us to decide who was going to be president. So it may not be the best system, but the system gives us a foundation and some type of some type of unity in a sense that was put in place by our founding fathers, right? Because they knew it would be helter skelter if everybody was just voting for whoever they thought they liked and wanted them in office. So maybe later on down the road, we'll change the way we do the system. But for right now, it's the way it's going to be from the way it was back in the day. So now, the right to vote, which is also referred to as a suffrage, right? In the past, it was only given, that privilege was only given to white male landowners. And they're the ones that held all the power. And then it took like 100 years for women to finally get the, the right to vote. But even though African-American men obtained the right to vote in 1870, of course, you know, we went through this before. The system being as it was, discriminatory, they weren't able to vote until 1965 with the Voting Rights Act. Now, having every adult's voice heard helps to decide not only presidential elections, but local campaigns as well. Voting in itself is important, but it's even more important to vote wisely. Voting doesn't only consist of coloring in the bubble over the person's name, but you should think carefully when casting your vote, right? We should be thinking of the well-being of our community and our country when we vote. So when you think about all that and you think about what I was saying with the Electoral College and everything that's happening now, it's a good thing the Electoral College is in place because if we think we were going through headaches now, could you imagine if everything was just based on what people wanted and what people liked? It would really be chaotic. So with that, we're going to end our lesson with this week's civil, what, what would I call it? What did I call it? Oh, our lessons in our lesson in civics. And we started off with, of course, everything dealing with the election because that's the hottest topic right now. But next week, we're going to go into the difference between a republic and a democracy. So with that, I think it's time for us to take a little music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Nothing you can't handle And you'll never 
thinking maybe this is it. Got this war going on in my mind, trying to make me think my faith is counterfeit. And whoa, no, certain days it feel like my faith is running low. But it's a mustard seed, so I must believe in what I saw. So when tears, what you water will grow. Never fear, it's all under control. Storm is here, but I'm sleep on the boat. Everything I went through, I knew I would be blessed. Yeah. Trying to pull me down, but I see the mark, so I press. Ah. Christ brought me out so many times, why stress? Yeah. I'ma sing hallelujah anyhow through the test. Listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now it comes for the part of the show that we all know and love as Op Ed. Op Ed this week, hmm, it's just going to be a continuation of what I said in the earlier part of the show. I gave you the background as to why the process is doing what it's doing. And to most of us, we understand the process. And I think I want to go into, and I'm, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain to you, because it was much more than this whole thing about um, the president crying fraud and, um, ballots being counted that shouldn't be counted and and people screaming oh where did all these extra votes now come for this candidate when we were winning and blah 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 and blah 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 it's more than that that prompted me to want to do a few shows pertaining to our voting process and what is really what it really entailed and what got me to come to the understanding that a lot of people in our country truly do not understand what happens when they cast their ballots and I learned this from working I told you guys that I was going to work the election and I actually got to see firsthand all the ins and out that go along with just casting your vote, scanning it, and keeping it moving. You understand what I'm saying? I was there all day. Our day started at 5 in the morning. My day ended at that night. We were lucky because, and I believe it was because we had early voting in New York, that a lot of people had done their voting ahead of election day. So when it came time for us to close the poll at nine o'clock, we were able to shut down at nine o'clock and get our tallies because there was no one on the line to come in and vote. Because by law, if you're online to vote and it shuts, polling shuts down at nine o'clock, anyone that's on that line still gets a chance to cast their vote. See, that's that's the that's the precious part of this whole voting process. 
everyone's voice gets to be heard. So to have people say, oh, those ballots shouldn't, those ballots shouldn't count because they can't. Now, mind you, there are several states that forever have has had on their books that when ballots come in, they have up until a certain number of days after the election day to cast, to count those votes and put them in as being part of the process. Now, we knew, or we should have known, from back in, when was this? May, June, June sometime probably, when our POTUS started talking about, oh, if they start mailing out ballots because people are, you know, cities are locked down because of COVID, it's going to be fraud. It's going to be fraud. He already started putting it in the atmosphere and he was trying to stir up the whole the whole s- story of nobody believing in the process anymore that's what he was trying to start back then so then as we see with as they had already predicted because of covid now you have to remember we are in a time that we've never been in before with this pandemic and the voting process there were a lot of people that did not want to expose themselves to the virus, which is still very much out there. And they preferred to mail their ballots in. Most states decided, yes, you know, we should have it where everyone should be able to mail their ballots in because why should they have to come out and expose themselves if it's not necessary? We can count their ballot if they send it in. So every state has their own regulation, as would everything else. See, they're making it seem like if, oh, this state is doing it this way and they shouldn't do it this way and one state is doing it that. We all know that although we are, quote, air quotes, United States, every state does their own thing. They make their own laws when it comes to certain jurisdictions that goes on within their state. We all know that. We all live through it because we all fuss and complain when we go from state to state. And it's like, well, we don't do that where I live. And we don't do, we all know that. So for the, when it comes to the voting process, it, it, should, it should not surprise or it should not have surprised anyone. But I digress. Getting back to the reason why I, st- I wanted to do this show is because my being there seeing the process, like I said, from the beginning to the end, and more so seeing the process, seeing the people, you'd be surprised how many people really don't understand how to vote. Seriously. And now, I remember as a little girl going to vote with my mother and my father, the voting booths where you had to pull the giant lever well to me it was a giant lever because I was small you'd pull that giant lever and it'd make that loud noise room and it would like close the curtains right so you felt like you was like oh my gosh and then you would click the little like pins for who you wanted to vote for and see the thing about that was when you click the pins 
you couldn't click more than one pin in that row or or you'd have to change who you originally clicked. So you could never vote for two people at the same time. Now, with this newfangled method of voting, where you have to color in the bubble on the top of the person's name, some people was coloring bubbles on, they were just coloring bubbles. So every time they went to put their ballot in, of course the machine would kick it out and be like, there's too many darn bubbles colored in here. That's not what the machine said, but in a politically correct way, the machine said, there's too many bubbles colored. You know, it's too many vote. you know, too many things being cast. So you'd have to check it and they'd have to give them a new ballot. And But I say all that to say, once people did that and they knew that they weren't going to have, you, there was no way that we could know on election day who won because you still had the mail-in ballots that you had to account for. And not, don't forget, the key word there was mail-in when, when did they start dismantling the U, the postal service? So if you dismantle the postal service, who was supposed to sort and separate and then deliver, how were these mail-in ballots supposed to get anywhere less more on time? So it, the whole process was trying to be broken down before it even started. So with that, I say, yes, everyone needs to understand what's going on. That's number one. Number two, when it came to the protest in New York City with the people, oh, every vote should be counted, every vote should be, what makes you think in New York City every vote is not being counted? Because if you, okay, if you're a Republican and you're in New York City, your vote is going to be counted. Your vote is not going to wipe the blue off the, off the state map. No, no. New York is going to be blue. The colors on top of the Empire State Building, they're going to say red, white, and blue, but they're going to be blue. So if you were a Republican and you voted in New York and you wanted to scream, oh, my vote should be counted, and you think your vote wasn't counted because New York gave its electoral votes to Biden, well, you live in a Democratic state. That's what happens. Just like on the flip side, people that moved from New York to North Carolina and North Carolina is a Republican state, those people couldn't scream, oh, my vote wasn't counted. The state is still red. Hello? Yeah, it's gonna be. It doesn't mean that your vote wasn't counted. So I didn't understand the protest here in New York as far as count every vote, count any vote. It wasn't going to change the outcome of where our electoral votes went. That's number one. And if you understood that, then you would know. But it should have just gave you satisfaction to know, all right, I did my part, but I know where I live. See, that's the whole thing. When you vote, you got to remember where you live. Yes, the most you can get satisfaction from doing your part, but you need to remember geographically where you live. And if you live in a democratic state, don't think that your red vote is going to change anything. So I say all that to say, now on the local elections, yes, it was a lot of tight races on the local elections. 
So, yes, there you could say, yeah, make sure my vote is, you know, make sure my vote is counted because I know I voted for this one. And if there's only a, a margin of 100 votes, yeah, I want to make sure my vote was counted and, yeah, I want to recount or whatever. Yes, you can do that on that level. But when it come, when it came to or as it had progressed to the presidential side, I couldn't understand why people in New York City were marching and protesting and cutting up and getting arrested and choking cops with chains. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just, we could have been sitting back just watching TV. All the other states where they're still counting stuff and still have had days to go, like Pennsylvania, what, they got like 10 days after the election, it seems like, that they could still count ballots. Those people should have been the ones screaming, yeah, make sure all our votes are counted because we know we have X amount of days to get our stuff. They should have been the ones, not New York. New York shouldn't have been the ones cutting up. I don't get it. New York, relax, please. Just relax. Then we have, besides people cutting up in the street for no reason, then you have all the stores boarding up their windows like, oh my gosh, it's going to be the end of the world because whatever happens, people are going to lose their minds. What makes you think that people are going to lose their minds? Why would people lose their minds? It's something we do every four years and whoever wins, wins. Not that everybody's happy, but whoever wins, wins. Nobody's going to lose their mind. And the fact that Everyone is thinking that people are going to lose their minds and start busting windows because an election didn't go their way. Then there's something wrong. There's really something wrong there if we have to resort to that because you didn't win an election. Really? Come on. We're better than that. At least I thought we were better than that. Now, I do understand the division. I do understand that. Now, that part is real, and that part I understand. Yes, we are divided. We have been divided, and it's going to be a long time. We're probably going to stay divided. I don't, yes, Biden is talking about he's for everybody, and he's going to bring unity. You can't bring unity to people that want, don't want to be connected. I'm sorry. You can't force people to become a union. You cannot. If that was the case, then people would never get divorced. Let's just go on a smaller scale like that. If you could force people to be a union, we would not have a divorce rate as high as we have here in America. So if you can't keep a couple together, you think you're going to bring a whole nation together that has been divided by racism and by um, just discrimination on all levels? You're going to really bring them together and we're all going to be kumbaya? I don't think so. Nice try nice it's a nice grand gesture to think that you're going to be able to do that but I don't think it's happening and it definitely ain't going to be happening in four years but I say all that to say when we have the president that's what we have to follow because that's we that's what we've always followed and it, it's not like as if this is the first election where somebody wanted somebody else to win I mean, think about it with Trump, not Trump. What was his name? Truman. Truman versus Dewey. 
they had the printed the newspaper Dewey wins. And then after they counted up all the votes, Truman was standing up with the paper that said Dewey wins and he was the winner. So for us to not know and it come out later and people think it should have been this person that really ends up being that person, it's nothing new here in America. So I don't know why. I don't even know how, how this wave of people don't understand what's going on. Where did that come from? Did they take civics out of the schools? I mean, I know they've changed the curriculum tremendously, but did they really take that out? Whereas people or young adults really don't understand what the process is when it, when it comes to, you know, things in government and things of that nature. Well, if they did, well, tune in to What Would Kay Say for the next couple of weeks, probably. Well, I don't think it's going to take that long, but at least from now to maybe two more weeks or so, and you'll get your crash course in civics and you'll understand what's going on. So when you turn on the news and they're talking, you don't get all up in arms and start pulling your hair out because it's like, what are they doing? They're cheating. They're lying. They're stealing. You'll be like, oh, wow, okay. The process is working. Everybody's getting their chance to give their point of view and we'll just see who wins. How about that, people? So with that, remember our word of the month was hope. And that is so fitting. That was so fitting. Thank you, Lord for giving us that word because we have a lot to be hopeful for and although everybody's talking about oh I can't wait till this year to be over I can't wait for this year to be over we're still in 2020 something it's still going to be 2020 something so don't think that because it's going to be 2021 that it's going to be any different from 2020 I just think that 2020 was actually like the appetizer to what's going to happen. I don't know if I would be that happy for uh, to rush this year along. I think we should just take each day as it comes and deal with what has been dealt to us, you know? But definitely keep in mind our word is hope. And with that, I need to get us a promise for today. Our promise today is going to come from 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Therefore, I exalt first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. How fitting. Thank you, Lord. So until we meet again next week, be kind to one another. Look out for one another. Just be calm and just take deep breaths whenever you're feeling anxious or uncertain. Uh, wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance, get ready for the holidays that are coming up. 
know, just think of happy things. Think of lighter things. Yes, the year's about to end. Just think of things as a new day, a new beginning, a new chapter of whatever it is that you want it to be. And until we meet again, God's willing, peace. Smile, your personality and looks too Is what makes you such a gift to those who love you
Assignment to encourage you. You can't get. 